Hey, yo, this COVID-19 got some of y'all shook. Maybe it's time to wake up and take a look. Yo, yo. Corona got you scared. I hear you, man. Whatever. I know you, bro. You've been scared forever. Everyone been telling you what to think. Your brain is the drain and you like the sink. I'm a fountain spreading unique thoughts like water. Get it to your sister, brother, mother, father, for daughter. Can't tell where you end and where they begin. Human centipede of bullshit echoes within. Dumb, dumb, dumb down. And you don't hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 46 of the Whistling in the Dark podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Bradley. Today is Sunday, May 31st. 2020 and back with me is dr adam Steele. great to be here thanks for coming back uh we mm-hmm. uh we we're gonna follow up with more covid19 updates but uh we also uh definitely gonna talk about the uh mass writing <laughs> This uh, this weekend, that in my forty three years, I I believe tops tops them all. COVID's old news now. I'm gonna <laughs> talk about it, but <laughs> nobody I think no one cares anymore. <laughs> no, no, yeah the uh, the COVID nineteen virus was vaccinated by yes. the twenty twenty race wars. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's are a new kind of herd more, immunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They uh, they created that herd immunity. Um, yeah, I mean, geez, like wh- where where to start? Uh, I so I did an episode. Was that uh, two days ago or something? <clears throat> on the topic. So if if you're if people are are keeping up with the episodes, I mean, we've, I've already sort of talked about you know, the basics of, uh, you know, the, the man getting killed to George Floyd and, uh, mm-hmm. and the, the response. And I think at that point it was Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis mostly. And I, yeah, the, the so the title of my last, uh, podcast, I believe was the, uh, riots in, in Minneapolis cure, the coronavirus or something. Oh, Minnesota riots have ended the coronavirus pandemic. That was yes, a celebratory indeed. mood on Friday. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, uh, why, I guess we could, why don't we start there? I mean, unless you've got some commentary in particular you want to run down, uh, I, I mean, we can kind of move in and out of that in a, in a fluid yeah. sense, but I really, um, I, I mean, you know, it's completely not spoken about. I've watched a good bit of news. I, I've watched more news in the last three days than I have in probably 2020. Combined. <laughs> <clears throat> Just been, you know, I mean, it's just, it's fascinating. And uh, for once, you can switch from CNN to MSNBC to Fox News. And a lot of times they're actually showing different stuff because it's so insane. They can't stay lockstep, you know, so one will be in Philadelphia, one will be in Atlanta, one will be in Minneapolis, you know. So uh, it's actually, they, they even seem to be taking commercials at different times, which, you know. 
there's any sign of like the end of days that <laughs> these major networks are not doing that. Not syncing up. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really, uh, spiraling out of control quickly. And, uh, COVID was just such a, such an important seminal thing. And then <laughs> it just, I, there's no way I would have believed a week ago that it could pass out of the public consciousness so completely. This is like, why did I spend all that time learning about it if everyone was just going to move on to the shiny ball as soon as it was in front of their face? I don't know. That's pretty... What a, yeah, a colossal waste of time. Joke's on you, Dr. Steele. Yeah. Shows uh, me to care. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like to... Uh, I, I enjoy gambling. I don't do it very much, but I, I do right. like to think about these things in terms of odds. You know, what are the odds that they because I think what's in our minds right now is we cannot possibly imagine a logical train of thought that returns us back into that pandemic mode. But I think the key is is there need not be a logical no. road to yeah. get there. Exactly. I mean, it's, it, it's, I, this is the thing that I don't know. Like I never guess where people's attention is going to go next. Cause I am, am wrong as often as, you know, you toss a coin. It's just, I, I don't have any ability to guess these things. Like I can tell you about the papers coming out in coronavirus. Like I can talk about, you know, statistics sometime to time, police statistics, arrest statistics, these things, but I can't, there's no connection necessarily between that and what people want to talk about or think about. So yeah, you know, I would say though, we, I, I feel like to some extent in our, previous two episodes together we at some point we spoke about this and i feel like to some extent we could pat ourselves on the back and toot our own horns and say we sort of called that this was going to end and it was yeah. going, when it ended it was going to be utterly forgotten <clears throat> it it seems so like i wasn't going to go out and limb and say i was i was sure of that then but but everything that i seen said this is not going to be as big of a deal as it is being made out to be and and that there is a universal there which is when people like as a group overreact to something and, and make the wrong call mm -hmm. later it's like you can't find anybody who would admit they thought what almost everybody was thinking yeah, like yeah. That is that's the universal. Right. No no contrition will ever yeah, be exactly. Had. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, I mean, so the basic idea, right, is if we don't I mean to to people that are still you know, the the we're like the one percenters now uh <laughs> that are like you know, have any sanity left. Um but for us one percenters uh I feel like if there isn't some large spike in hospitalizations in uh, in, in a couple weeks, uh, then I mean, I just don't know how you could make up any case for further lockdown. No, I mean, it, at this point, you know, the models that incorporated social distancing failed uh, utterly, and they didn't when account states started for to mass race riots. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, we'll come to, we'll come to that, but like it's, they, they failed to make any, any good predictions. And then 
when the states started to reopen, the conclusion was that there would be these big spikes and then they would happen fairly quickly. Now, like I said last time, like people's habits can change kind of slowly. So maybe it was still going to going to trend up. But the <clears throat> predictions were still off there completely. Yeah. And now we have the ultimate Petri dish. Thousands <laughs> of people shoulder to shoulder yeah. screaming, which is like all of these things screaming, are, are right? yeah. and like they're saying that's like that's why like you shouldn't. That's why they're saying, oh, maybe people get it at church because there's a lot of singing and people are yelling and close. And so it's just like if any of that is true to even the finest degree, then like, well, at least at least these riots are outside. So it's got that going for. Her, but yeah. except for the looting, of course. Right, uh, right. <laughs> but but all the shouting shoulder to shoulder, people just doing protests. I saw them on the lawn. Where was that? I can't remember what city that was in, that they were doing a, a protest. Everybody was like laying on the lawn shoulder to shoulder next to mm -hmm. each other, like basically touching each other. Yeah. So, yeah, if we don't see a massive spike now, uh, then that's, you know, yeah. confirmed that the models just just have no predictive power. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, last episode, we, we were already there, right? I mean, we, yeah, we, it was already. Was. I, I mean, I think that we ended that episode with, pretty high confidence you know yeah. after a month of georgia being reopened and you know like you're saying possibly slowly reopening i mean i had mm -hmm. some anecdotal evidence of being out and about and certainly less commerce and stuff than normal but you still see a lot of people out right. and uh, the cases of of hospitalizations and deaths have just steadily been going down mm -hmm. and i mean for that to occur, I mean, what other mechanism besides herd immunity leads to that sort of decrease while you're increasing social interaction? Yeah. I mean, I I don't know, to be honest. That's yeah. the only answer I can give. But so in our first conversation, we talked about SARS briefly. Now, you and I talked offline after that, but we, we said like SARS was another coronavirus it, it was pretty dangerous and pretty deadly. It was of concern for this brief period of time and then never talked about again. And you asked me then, you said, what happened to SARS? Mm. And the answer is, and this is like the answer among people who said this, it went away. You know, <laughs> it, it disappeared, even <clears throat> though like it hadn't seemingly hadn't infected a large number of people. So. Yeah. So what is that? Like it does that doesn't line up with any like the general model understanding either. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, at a minimum, it's time to start admitting that, you know, we're more ignorant than we than we put forth in the beginning of this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I also um, I, I'm actually not sure about this, but I, I thought that there's actually some disagreement <laughs> as far as whether coronaviruses actually are seasonal. Uh, is there is there any like debate about that i've heard it i've heard people saying both ways like there was a lot of stuff that came out fairly early on that looked at the uh that looked at the uh how far we were from the equator and the temperatures and said oh all the big outbreaks are in this sliver here which included like wuhan mm. and, and northern italy but we've seen outbreaks in some other places and so i don't think there's any certainty on this there's definitely not um yeah. It, 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 so, so just anybody who says that it's definitely one or the other is definitely blowing smoke at this point. There's not good evidence uh, either yeah. way. Yeah, the the person that was talking to me about it, I don't remember who it was, but they were they were just mentioning that uh, Fauci basically was talking about 
you know, I, I can't remember who was on which side, but it was Fauci on one side. And then the the person in, you know, like the head of the CDC was saying like the total opposite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, how about uh, Trump saying we're we're what, what are we? What, I, I don't know exactly what our relationship with the World Health Organization was, but I guess probably we I'm sure we fund it mostly. We were a member and we provided a significant chunk of funding. I don't it wasn't like 50 percent or anything like that, but it was a significant amount. Uh, and we're out. That's what he said. We're out. So yeah. I guess that means we're not providing any funding or not being a part of it. I don't know what the details of membership there look like, but I honestly, I don't know what that does one way or the other. Like the organization appeared to have been fully captured by China before this started, even with our money. So, mm-hmm. you know, w- what is it now just going to become an arm of the CCP? So, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. m- m- maybe, you know, it's going to help well, them maybe cover up if this turns out to have been a lab release. Who knows? Yeah. Feel free to expand on that, because I do not yeah. know much about the World Health Organization, the relationship with China, anything that's, yeah. you know, I, uh I know they made well, a vaccine that we didn't use. Remember that? Well, they made it. They made a test. Yeah, <laughs> a test. Right. I'm sorry. Right. Not a vaccine. So the World Health Organization made a test. It's the test that most countries wound up using, particularly uh, early on. There may have been some additional ones later on, but mainly most countries in the early outbreaks all used the World Health Organization test, and it worked fine. The problem that people had in general was that the World Health Organization, very strangely and without much scientific basis, kept parroting things that the the communist party in china would put out like as news like that it was contained or that it couldn't transmit like very early on it was like it can't even transmit from animals to from humans to humans and then later like they were saying things like it can't spread by air uh Mm. and they just and at every one of these steps like even people who are like nominally work with the world health organization and who are scientists are saying like we don't understand why they're saying this. Like, there's no way they could be sure of that. They're giving bad advice. Um, so it, that's what leads people to say, like, why are they doing, why are they saying this? And, you know, I think it's perfectly plausible to think that one of the major funders of their organization, one that's not afraid to put its heavy foot down, would be influencing the the statements that they make. Um, hmm. So it's doesn't take a great deal of imagination to believe that and then so then the question is what good is this organization and that i am less clear on it i'm not going to take a firm stance on like whether or not it is a good idea because it makes sense to me that you would want a multinational organization like doing coordination for like global pandemics which probably most of them are going to be at this point with how much travel there is um so so whether or not when when you pull out and when you pull out you you've forsake the opportunity to like help reform the organization. So, you know, I I don't really take a very strong position whether it was a good idea or not. Um, Yeah, probably not a well thought out one. It definitely was not well thought out. That's for sure. But whether or not it winds up being right is the question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I can get, you know, pulling out the funding, but yeah, like you're saying, uh, you know, if you see it as some sort of, I don't know, compromised from uh, the uh, the Chinese government. But yeah, that that is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, I just think in the maelstrom of news <laughs> in the last like three or four days, yeah, he, he actually, no one really cares got, yeah, that. he's actually kind of got off the hook for that. Whereas normally I would be skewering him. Um, that would be enough to run the news for yeah, a good week in normal times, yeah, but yeah. not now. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a ton of other COVID stuff to still uh, talk about, like the the trial of the uh, drug that Gilead had that like kind of came and went, and there was some really strange things with that um, we could talk about, Do or it. we could move right into the. All right, so this uh, <laughs> Redemsevir, you probably heard about. This is it feels like it's should be still news, but this was like I don't know two two weeks ago now, so no one's talking about it, but. Uh, basically, a drug company called Gilead had this new drug that was uh, supposed to help with COVID. So you, it's a treatment. So you would get it, and they'd give it to you, and it's supposed to help you recover faster or not die. Um, okay. So they did a randomized control study. That's the good news. Um, the bad news is, and, and this is generally considered like the gold standard, the randomized control study is, you know, you give the drug to a random selection of people, and even the people administering the test don't know what group got it and what group didn't. And this generally prevents bias from creeping in. And it's how most drugs that get on the market, you know, go through this type of trial before they're released. And usually what you, what you need to do is uh, to get a drug released in the United States, you have to show uh, a benefit over uh, of I think it's I think it's a very small burden of just like one or a couple percent over uh, placebo or sometimes they'll compare it if there's an existing treatment on the market uh, and you have to do that usually in two trials now in this situation there may be bypassing like all the normal protocols uh, but that's even more cause for concern because there's several things here that are very strange so first the good news the good news is that when they announced the trial, they said this reduced mortality uh, among the group that got it from 11% to 8%. Now, this might not sound that much, but I mean, that's a 30% <laughs> roughly decrease right. in, in your likelihood to die. So that would be that would be great news. The problem here is that, you know, even as they were touting this results, and I think Fauci like went on TV and was like saying these results, like the that difference of 11% to 8% didn't meet the usual standard for statistical significance that they would use in this test. Mm. That, that standard is that it was less than 5% chance that this was due purely to chance. So that's shady to begin with. Um, okay. Let me put it this way. If, Gil, if, if in normal circumstances, Gilead was releasing a new drug for like something that had been out for a while, and they announced results that like didn't meet the usual standard for statistical significance, uh -huh. they would get pounced on, and they would be told that like this was highly improper and they shouldn't be doing it. Uh -huh. uh, so that's the first problem with it. Uh, the second part, so so you have you have them releasing these results and doing it even though it doesn't meet the same. No, it wasn't that far off. It was like 0.06 instead of like the normal 0.05 or lower. Mm -hmm. uh, but the reality is that even though like this kind of randomized controlled trial is like considered the gold standard, uh, the reality is that there's a lot of ways you can influence the way these trials turn out. So the 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 metric that they were going for originally wasn't like a reduction in mortality. Um, it was something else, which it is still is not clear to me. But they changed that to uh, time to recovery. So, like, I'm telling you about the mortality number, but the number that they're actually saying meets the standard of significance is, like, that they would give you this and you would get better faster. Uh -huh. But they, they have the flexibility when running the trials to change that midstream. Uh, they can change it midstream. They can eject people from the trial. So there's a lot of tricks you can play, even in, like, a good, in theory, designed experiment uh, to let you, like, 
reach over that threshold of right. still significant. Yeah. And, you know, the, of course, the accusation is that this is a very expensive drug. It barely meets the thresholds for significance. And so, like, it really seems improper for especially like the guy who's kind of in charges for our government to be going out and like pumping up this treatment, mm -hmm. like out to the public when it hasn't been proven yet. Really? Why does the name Gilead seem uh, familiar <laughs> to me and also bad? Uh, I think that was in the the uh, that was that book that uh, everyone keeps talking about the uh, the one where all the women are uh, the Handmaiden's Tale. Oh, really? I think that's what they I think that's uh, what they like renamed the United States or something in um, that in that book. I never read it, but yeah, I yeah I don't know it it it, it Gilead sounds like a company from a dystopian like sci fi. It certainly does. Book. <laughs> So bully for them for so, uh, going so for that's, it. That's the rundown on that. So, I mean, it, it, we'll see if any of these treatments, but I don't know what the next step is for this. Um, mm. But to me, it's th this, what they're doing here would not be tolerated in other circumstances is all I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, again, it's, so. it's tough to care too much. because. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, you know, I mean, right. uh, well, I mean, because they're going at it today. I mean, they've moved in, you know, back to uh, so my, you know, hometown was a little bit late getting started, Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. But today yeah. they really picked up the mantle. I mean, they were looting, I think, in late morning. <laughs> they were going yeah, all I afternoon. I saw pictures from Philly too. Uh, yeah, spray painting, all kinds of uh, nasty stuff. Much worse than that, burning, all that. Yeah, uh, they were. They were. This was like today. Th this yeah. afternoon, early afternoon, they were ghost riding police mm -hmm. cars into other police. At one point, it almost hit a line of police officers. Uh, but yeah, they're looting. I found a a video of a looter looting another looter that was i felt that was i saw that <laughs> i thought that was a particularly uh philly moment that the, the, the one looter started fighting the other one and stole his stuff though so, yeah uh, i yeah i think that there's a that's the special brand of energy that philadelphia can bring to <laughs> a situation like this yeah it's you know and, it's not good. Yeah, and still in, in L.A., uh, you know, I, I mean, they obviously have the biggest history of of riots. Right. Like, I mean, at least in the yeah. last like 50 or so years, because they had the Watts riots. I want to say like late 60s or. And yeah. then obviously the the Rodney King riots in, in uh, 92. Um, yeah. And they they've. They've been participating, but I don't think that, you know, I, I'm just saying it, it, it's, it's just kind of mind bending. I, I, there's just never been something like this in, in the, in the country where it's just simultaneously, I mean, <laughs> well, not since COVID-19 has there been something yes. so crazy that has <laughs> not been since the last three months ago <laughs> yeah not yeah not since thursday of last week uh oh you want to hear a funny la so so la i think it was last night the mayor uh uh goes on twitter and he posts a tweet that says 
everybody needs to to be you know thoughtful and, and and calm down this is obviously not 1992 it's not like we're calling the national guard in three hours later <laughs> there was a tweet that said the national guard is going to los angeles <laughs> God. wow it was like 7 45 p.m and like 10 45 p.m Man. so it's like the situation is moving fast, and maybe even what we say here will be like yesterday's news by the time people hear it. Yeah, I, maybe they got into you know a sort of wealthier neighborhood with uh, people that had some power. Um, yeah, that you know said, "Hey, yeah, we're not like sitting here taking this." Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, so yesterday in Philly. They hit like the really nice areas, like Rittenhouse Square and stuff. And today it was like in, in over in West Philly and mm-hmm. um, kind of more in the in the hood and stuff. And um, so I, but I, I'm surprised at how I, I actually have a friend. It, um, I mean, we're not like tight or whatever, but we're Facebook friends, and uh, she owns a restaurant in that area. And she had like her Facebook story. I mean, she was down there. She was like, it was it was pretty scary. I mean, just like watching her restaurant just get trashed. She's just standing, you know, like a half a block away, and people are just like blasting in there. And I don't know. It's like she a- just had to watch as they destroyed a restaurant. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's no no That's cops awful. like anywhere, and she was just trying to get out. I mean, her main thing was like she was like, okay, you know, we got everybody out, you know, everybody got home safe, and mm-hmm. I guess she was sort of hanging around. And then I I don't know if it was her partner or whatever, um, like she was yelling at him like, yo, just go, like just leave, right. like because I guess he was sort of like going back towards the restaurant when they were kind of attacking it or whatever, and she was rightfully. <laughs> Telling yeah. him like it's not worth it. I mean, because you, I'm sure you've seen some videos of, of people who have tried to sort of stand their yes, ground. I have. It is not, you know, not been pretty. Yeah, I mean, it's been very fortunate we haven't seen more people get get killed so far. But yeah, it's it's a very volatile situation out there when there's so many people and they're all torqued up. And yeah, it's you have to just leave. I mean. In reality, I feel really bad for them, but you just got to get out of there because, I mean, what, is he going to stand there all night, every night? Because this is not like the only time yeah. it could be passing by that place. And what, if there's one place that's not destroyed, yeah, you know, he's not going to be able to protect it. Yeah, and um, there was, uh, I mean, I, I think if you really set up some sort of strategic defense, but not like yes. you unarmed standing on the street. A- absolutely. You, know, you have to be like the Koreans in the 92 riots where they had like, assault rifles and they were on the roof yeah that that becomes tough to approach it is i mean i've seen people who have protected their businesses that way there was some some guys who had a a bakery and they just had to stay there with their uh it looked like they had like some shotguns or something like that uh and then there were some other folks uh they weren't right near the riot but they were like protecting like a little strip mall like a, a couple of guys uh with ars and stuff so yeah so it, yeah, it definitely is that. possible. Yeah. I did. That was another great, uh, uh, a great news coverage where, like, MSNBC posted just the two white guys and made it out like they were these white nationalists or whatever. And then <laughs> you see the actual video, and it's like black dudes and those two white guys, and they're all like together talking. Yeah. And he's there. He's like, yeah, you know, supporting the the protesters and stuff. Like he wasn't even talking about. I don't think at first the store. And then he said, oh yeah, you know, you know, we came down or whatever to so they don't, you know, you know, we don't want the rioting the like 
wreck my friend's store or whatever. But like he was there for like the protest in support. You know, I mean, it just and, right. and another thing, too, it's like the comparisons I've seen. They uh, it keep comparing the response of, you know, Trump to um, what what capital was that? Uh, it might have been Minnesota, where the, the protest group with the ARs went in there and were basically challenging them to open yeah. up. That might, yes, was that right. also Minnesota? I, th- I think that it uh, was. Yeah. Really? Maybe it was this Wisconsin. Time, I can't remember. Time in the spotlight. But comparing that and then saying, oh, and then he's, you know, calling like these, uh, you know, they some tweet he used the word thugs like r- about mm-hmm. the riots and stuff. And it's like, but I mean, not the same, not even not the same. <laughs> kind of comparable, right? Like one no. was peaceful and one is just the opposite. It's the most destructive, <laughs> violent right. riots in the history of our country, probably. Um, and, I mean, even aside from that point, what I what I had read, and I think that it, it is true, it came from a source that I thought was reputable, is that the law in that state was that it is okay to open carry in that state capitol building. Yeah, yeah, so I don't think they, they were violating the law. It's not like actually vi- violating the law. Now, of course, there's questions of intimidation, but like if your law says you can open carry, it's not really fair unless there's some other activity going on that suggests it to be like the mere fact that they were open carrying means that they were intimidating, you know? Right. Of course, they probably mean to some extent. I'm not going to be naive about it, but the reality is that them exercising yeah. their right, and I don't think that they should be like, said that anything bad should be said about them for that yeah you know at the same time it's just like it's easy to talk about the rioters but there's a ton of people out there too that are like trying to do the right thing and and protest without destroying their neighborhoods i saw another clip of folks like protecting i think it was in new york city protecting a target like drawing up a barrier of the people who are part of the protest but didn't want the looters doing it yeah to get in there and destroy it so it's like there are there are a lot of good people and it doesn't take that many really terrible people to like loot a whole bunch of stores and set a bunch of fires. Like you can do that stuff. Bam, 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 mm-hmm. really quick. And, and people are going to be opportunistic. So. Yeah. And they have the cut, even if, you know, even if it is a, a small number of people that are, you know, actually doing the looting and, and the vandalism or whatever, they still have the cover of a much larger group. Yes. Which is That's right. Still, no one's going to stop them because they're going to be terrified to do it. Yeah. And, and I, and I do think that of, you know, at some point, I, you know, I think that that stuff is kind of contagious. I mean, I don't know what you were, like, but I mean, I, I was thinking back to, you know, when I was 20 years old, I mean, mm. I didn't care. I would have, I would have went in those <laughs> stores. There's no doubt. Like, there's no way. Like I was not a libertarian. I did not have like a moral code of conduct. I was extremely you weren't strong into property rights back no, then. No, no, I was very angry, very yeah. angry. I hated the police. I right. hated the police. Mm. And, uh, you know, I would, I mean, there's no doubt. I would. I mean, I, I've done some bad stuff in my life without a big group of people egging me <laughs> on. So you know, I, I, it, it sucks. I, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't like it. I, you know, I. Um, well, people are on people are on a spectrum. So I mean, you're you're absolutely right that there is going to going to be people who wouldn't do it if no one else was doing it, and then if they see other people doing it, they're going to do it. Yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. The reality. I mean, I, and I think it's it's sort of. Uh, pretty illustrative of 
basically everything that I wind up talking about on this podcast or we have the last few times is you got 99% of the people are pretty much just going along with the group. Yeah. And there's just not a lot of critical thinking. And I think that that also leads to stuff like that. And, uh, Mm -hmm. but I, I heard, uh, of, of, uh, from, of all places on Philly sports talk radio, I was listening last night on my way home and I was breaking the law because we had a curfew and this was after 9 PM. (laughs) You Uh, were lucky. You got home alive. Yeah. 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 I told, (laughs) I said, my, I said, Hey, if I don't, uh, if I don't text you in 15 minutes that I got home, I'm like, you got to yeah. set up a GoFundMe for my, my bail money. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually were pretty close. They're, they they were boarding. My friend lives a few blocks from where there was like rumors. There was supposed to be a protest at this Kirkwood police station or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I know like you know you could see like on the facebook page like people that own the businesses they were getting plywood up and stuff i drove by i saw them setting it up so they, i yeah. mean it was like i was you know hoping nothing like that was going to happen uh and and i you know i guess it didn't but um but anyway i was driving home listening to the sports talk station and <clears throat> remember like you know and i actually so I listen to a lot of sports talk, but I find normally in times like this, it's awful, especially there's no sports going on because it's like they always take these like big events and sort of cast them, uh, you know, through the lens of like sports. And it's like, right. who cares? We tie but, basketball to the protest. <laughs> right, yeah. right. But this was actually a, an actual, um, you know, relevant one. He was saying like, you know, <clears throat> People, you know, they're saying like, oh, you know, protesting, peaceful protesting. That's great. Like, why don't you just do that? This this, this sort of violence and the riots take away from the message, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, while, yes, I agree that the rioting is bad. I mean, he's, he's like, obviously I don't want any random person stuff, you know, their business looted people hurt, mm-hmm. etc. He said, but he said another way to sort of think about this is that we have been peacefully doing this for years now. And, you know, he was referring to the whole Colin Kaepernick, Black Mm -hmm. Lives Matters, kneeling. And he said, and a lot of those same people were telling us then, like, oh, you know, you have no respect. Like, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And he said, you know, he said nothing happened. Nobody listened. Nothing changed. And eventually now we're here. And now it's boiled mm. over. And they made another point, which and, and I mean, I thought that was that was like pretty fair. Like that really mm-hmm. came through because I wasn't like a huge supporter of, you know, the Colin Kaepernick, whatever, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I was like opposed to it. It's like knock yourself out if you want to kneel. Certainly yeah. far be it from me to feel like somebody's disrespecting the American military. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, and then the other thing he said, too, which was even more basic and simple, he was just like, you know, and then he said, also, it's just kind of the way we are. Right. I mean, he's like, if my ankle hurts me, I'm just not going to do anything about it. He's like, I'm going to walk around and it's going to get worse and worse. And 
so I'm basically hobbled and I'm limping around. I can barely do anything. And I'll finally go. And he said, like, this is kind of just that in a way, you know, like mm. nobody's going to really listen to it until it's just so bad. It's like, good Lord, you know. Um, so yeah. I thought there were both of those together. It, it, it softened my view a bit. Um, and, and not that it, I don't know that it necessarily needed to be softened. I mean, I, 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 like I said, I mean, I don't have too much trouble getting into the headspace of being against, you know, police brutality. Um, I just don't yeah. look to race, you know? I look to things like the war on drugs and the welfare system that has, like, targeted these communities as the real I, I, key. You know, and this yeah. other stuff is more of symptoms like the high, super high murder rate for for young, you know, black men in the mm. in the United States. I feel like that's more of a symptom than something fundamentally violent in their DNA. You know what I mean? And yeah, and the, yeah. that the cops kill more black people than white people uh, proportionally. I think right. that that could be pretty easily explained as a symptom of the first symptom. So I, I feel like what we're really looking at could be like a symptom of a symptom. And we're so far away from the problem. And, and ultimately they're not, you know, this movement or whatever, it's just all anger. And, and, and uh, like, what are the demands? Like, what is it? Like that, what's the action? That is the key. That is the key pad. So, mm. People like the guy, the points that the guy you're saying on the radio were making were perfectly fine. But the reality is, unless you have a specific set of things you want changed that you are saying is going to make a difference, no one's going to know what to do next. So, like, I've seen research that says one thing and the other with respect to, like, whether the rioting leads to change or whether it leads to a backlash. Mm -hmm. Like, and I've seen data on both sides. So, like, there's no one that's going to be 100% sure one way or the other whether or not they're effective. But I can tell you this, it's 100% not going to be effective if at the end of it, everyone's like, well, I don't know what to do now. Mm -hmm. yeah, I've heard exactly, I've had exactly one policy prescription made so far, um, which we which we can discuss. It's, it's an interesting topic, but, mm. you know, if you want to reply to that first, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that's exactly, you know, where, you know, I, I feel the same way. And, I, and you know, I that's what I said about the Black Lives Matter, you know, that that was I mean, when I say you can't I can't get behind Kaepernick or whatever. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like, what do you I mean, are you kneeling to end racism? Like, I you know, it just does doesn't work. Like and, that. and he's kneeling during the national anthem when it's the states and the municipalities. Those are the police that he's upset at. Yeah. Like the federal government doesn't have a general police power. Like no one's complaining about the FBI's propensity to target people unfair racially. Like that would have been justified, of course, in the time of Martin Luther King, because right. they were. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but, the, but the specific things that we're discussing now as part of this national conversation, like are all occurring at the, the state and municipal level. So it's like what what specifically is being asked here? And I think that's part of the problem. I think part of the frustration is that no one knows what to ask. Mm -hmm. uh, like in the in the case of like the Hong Kong protesters, which is like another major like protest slash riot that happened recently, like they had this specific list of demands like they didn't want to be extradited to China. Like mm -hmm. that is like a specific thing that they wanted. They wanted this uh, some laws passed for like more autonomy. Right. But if you ask the protesters what they want, they say we want the police to stop killing us. It's like 
that isn't it's a hundred percent right but it isn't actionable yeah so like what specific so like there needs to be leadership here there needs to be someone yeah. taking charge to like transforming like these general feelings that i understand completely i mean i've been on like the the over militarization of police and use of excessive force since like you know roughly 2008 or whatever whenever radley balco uh was at reason magazine he's a very good person on the subject you could read him i think he's still at the washington post mm. uh but but these issues have been out there for a while and they're yeah. dri- but they're driven by a lot of things so what are the policy prescriptions like if you want to discuss qualified immunity like we can talk about that um because that's one thing that people may or may not even be familiar with even if they're familiar with the riots do you know about that i've just seen you know it more in headlines or whatever but i saw okay. i think scott horton just uh posted an article about that about mm-hmm. basically explaining uh, but i didn't know i didn't actually read it before this so no so so here's the here's the basics so in Usually, like there's nothing in the law that prevents you from from suing someone for for civil damages if you think that they've done you wrong. Uh, there is a legal principle, however, called qualified immunity, and this protects uh, police officers uh, in the performance of their duty. So, if you were arrested by uh, the cops uh, and you thought he the police officer used excessive force, like you can't sue him. He's immune from like civil suit. Like you could sue the city, uh, right? And you and, could bring a you criminal could, suit, but not a civil. Uh, yeah, but that's not up to you. The criminal is you would be going to this to the city and saying, "I think that this police officer should be charged with something." It's ultimately out of your hands. Yeah. Uh, but the civil suit is something that is it within your hands. Uh, you know, even if the person gets off of the underlying crime, like in the case, let's see, like OJ, what happened to him? Like he he was got off. Yeah. Uh, from the from the murders but he was then later sued and a big civil judgment against him basically got all his money for the goldmans yeah but same if, thing if with he, epstein right he he most of all the time he was in court was all about civil suits or not I, even court I, I think he had more depositions than anything but he had tons of civil cases coming right. against him and so people say, well, this is really unfair. It's basically like, pl- to some extent, these uh, police officers are above the law here. Mm-hmm. So we want that change. I'm like, I'm sympathetic <laughs> to that. But what do we, in this particular circumstance, the thing that people or everybody is angry about, angry about was, uh, it's George Floyd or is it Floyd George? I'm sorry. George Floyd. George is his first name. <laughs> George is his first name. Yeah. Uh, he he was killed by a police officer who you know sat on his neck until he asphyxiated and died. That's like probably what happened. You know, yeah. maybe there's some medical things there too, but that's probably exactly what happened. Like the end to qualified immunity would have changed that not at all. And insofar as people were happier, like when he was charged criminally, like that has nothing to do with it at all either. And there's no way in my mind that I would believe that the people who are angry enough to be out in the street, like protesting and rioting, would have been happy if they said, well, he can be sued. Like the the guys next to him (laughs) can sue him. Like, would that have satisfied anyone? No, it absolutely would not have. So it's like it's almost like a red herring. So, like, it's interesting to think about, like, whether qualified immunity should exist and what would happen. There's a really interesting libertarian perspective on this, uh, which is. So basically, if qualified immunity went away, what I think you'd wind up have happening is that officers who are interacting with the public in any significant degree would have to cover some kind of like liability insurance, kind of right. like, like a doctors. doctor has malpractice. Yeah, yeah exa- exactly, exactly. <laughs> some malpractice insurance. So, so either like, and if 
since this would probably be a requirement, it might even be provided through their job. Uh-huh. So, so either they would need a salary increase to cover this or be provided through their job. It's probably not going to come out of their pocket in any grand sense either way. So the cost to hire a cop is going to go up maybe or maybe they'll reduce the number to keep the payroll roughly level. Mm-hmm. But what are we even saying here? So like, let's say that's not even a problem. What we're saying is, so what would be the practical effect? Of that? So the cop, again, if he has this insurance, it probably is he's not even going to pay out personally because he's got the insurance covering him. And so. Is this getting you any closer to justice? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only effect it would really have is now you have this one extra entity, the insurance company. And so what yeah. we're saying is that we want this private entity, the insurance company, because we think they're going to do a better job of taking bad cops out of the force than the elected officials are. Yeah. So, like, that's the point you'd be at when you say, if you're saying yeah, this is going to make a significant the, difference. Like, so I guess the we were depending on the insurance company to say, I won't cover this guy anymore. Yes. He keeps <laughs> right. He's been people. fired from three departments. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, because, I mean, it does happen that, like, a cop can be have a ton of complaints against him, go from department to department to department. And it doesn't matter. Like, a new department in a new uh, municipality or a new state would be perfectly happy to hire the guy. Mm-hmm. But if he's uninsurable, then that won't happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But what we're saying is that we trust our elected officials and the people in charge of the police department so little that really an insurance company is the better yeah. way to go. And we do. Who's a good we and actually, cop. you know, and at least as libertarians, do. we actually already do. Yes, <laughs> right. I know it's uh, it's a uh, sound like um, the only thing that sucks about that is you know you you literally have to wait till he kills a bunch of people probably before he gets fired. I, right. I, oh, although, although maybe, maybe, maybe the insurance company's really good at their you know right they they might be really good at their job because they got to make money so they'll really try to sniff out these bad apples but you can easily see it being the case they're going to look at the small incidents they're going to have some kind of psych test for these guys it's just like your credit rating like they are good at sniffing out who the bad actors are before they actually go bankrupt now i will say that uh there's no way that that would actually be implemented in that way. There would be some sort of, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, a moral, uh, moral hazard. Yeah. There would be a moral hazard somewhere in there where the insurance company somehow they get paid no matter what, you know, they're always, they're like guaranteed by some other thing or some other mm-hmm. fund and almost uh, who knows? Like, I mean, it's so backwards. Like you, I could imagine a system where they actually make more money, the more money they pay out, <laughs> like every, you know, cause it's going to be I guess buried, rates in, go, yeah, yeah. buried in some weird. Yeah. Right. It'd just be buried in some terrible legislation somewhere and some thousand page document that, you know, maybe Rand Paul read once. Uh, and, well, and it might be heavily regulated. And yeah. what they did, what they did with Obamacare was they, they required the insurance companies to issue these policies. And then what they did was they set up a fund that was a backstop. So if the insurance companies lost money paying out claims, they would get repaid from this fund. And so, yes, it's totally possible you'd have an analog of that for this yeah. type of insurance. And so there's no, like, there, there, there's so much incentive for them to pay out because if they have any sort of, if they're in cahoots with hospitals or doctors at all, you know, they get any if, if there's any way that they can do that it's it's 
benefits them to pay out and pay out and just start pulling out of that fund, you know? Oh, that's only that's only if they're net negative, though. Right. That, that they pull out of that but fund. So, cares, like, it still right? is the case that they, I, they still want to make a profit. Like, it's still best for them if they collect premiums and they don't pay out any claims. Like, that is the ideal situation here. <laughs> yeah, may, I mean, but Obamacare hasn't been around that long, right? Right. Like, if you, how are they going to compete with some super loose company that just pays out to everybody, then everybody's going to want to get in there. And there, there is that. And in fact, in fact, what happened with Obamacare was a bunch of new entrants to the insurance market came right when these state exchanges came out. And many of them had very little experience in yeah. the medical insurance market. The they priced their policy, <laughs> right. They priced their policies really low to get customers and then they like tanked when the claims came in and they went, a bunch of them went out of business. And then the next year they were gone and the premium shot up. Hmm. So, but why so weren't like, they yeah, able there's to, a lot of problems. Yeah. Why weren't they able to just tap into this fund? I don't know what the, maybe all the details of, or maybe, maybe it's that they didn't go bankrupt, but they had to really increase their premiums to then be somewhere yeah. where it was. Okay. No, that's right. With this fund, the problem with that fund was it ran out of money. Oh. And they were, they, they, at, at first it wasn't like what was supposed to happen with this fund was that a fraction of the premiums got paid into it. And so there was a, a cap that limited the government's liability to whatever this like. So a fraction of the premiums go to and they got paid out of that. But it ran out of money. And then I think they just like removed the provision that it had a cap or something like that. But this mm -hmm. was like in the last year or two. So. The point is that these things change over time and generally yeah. not for the better. <laughs> right, right. I mean, what what was the first income tax, you know, and what is it now? And right. I mean, I, I do think that that's how a lot of this stuff operates. It, it, it comes in. Oh, no, no, it's only going to be it's only one percent. It's only this. Mm -hmm. It's only in this very rare. case, And then slowly it just gets expanded and expanded. Right. And, and then so, you have. So race wars across the United States. <laughs> so, so that's the question is like, what specifically could we do? Because I am sympathetic to a lot of what the protesters yeah. are saying. And, and the police are not covering themselves in glory here. I reviewed like a, a, a 40 videos in a row today uh, of <laughs> uh, cops running over people with their horses. Uh, a cop rolls down his window of his SUV and just sprays the pepper spray out onto everybody on the sidewalk. Yeah. Uh, some lady carrying your groceries home gets shot in the head with one of these less than lethal weapons. She's bleeding out the head. <laughs> I saw one. They lit up a house with these, uh, these pepper uh, pots. Uh, they were going down the street at the end of when curfew was supposed to start and people were on their own porches on their yeah. own property filming. And then we started screaming at them, get inside. It's like, you have no right to tell me to get inside. I can't remember what the name of the legal principle is, but up to my property line and including usually the driveway, like you have to have some authority to come onto my property. Yeah. You can't tell me to go inside. They just started shooting the front of the house with these balls, mm. sending I, the people scattering inside. So it's like you see stuff like that and it's evidence. It's evidence that like they know there will be no consequences for this kind of outrageous behavior. Right. Yes. I, but how uh, do you fix that? So. Well, you know, I I think that a uh, I mean, I, I feel like the solutions are so far from possible that it's dumb to talk about. Like, I, I don't even want to. I mean, like, yeah, like a free market for for law enforcement. 
<laughs> yeah, know, that would be a, a good start. But I, I think to me, what I, you know, because I do think that these problems, I, I do think that there are problems with the police. And kind of like you said, I mean, everything that you just mentioned there, you didn't specifically point out race. And to me, like, no. I think that the problem with the police is a little bit deeper and more fundamental to the system than race. It, it's, you know, you have it. it you know, they're never I mean, it's so rare that they're ever going to be convicted compared to a normal person for murder right. or, you know, kidnapping. I mean, they're literally like you. I, I, I'm, I would assume that you cannot bring like a case to uh, a, a police force or a police officer if they arrest you and then later, you know, find out that you were the wrong guy. Uh, uh, I mean, no, maybe uh, there's some way you can in some circumstances, but, you know, or just not charge you or you're not found, you know, you're found not guilty, but you were thrown in a cage for, you know, months yeah. or weeks no, or some, uh, you know, I mean, all, all of this stuff is just if any normal person. And the, to me, that's the issue is they're above the law, you know, and mm -hmm. they're and, and, you know, that's not solvable i don't think within the the constructs of the united states uh as it stands but things to me that could be done and these are more about about race but i think that would also bring the violent crime down you know immensely in the united states would be to end the war on drugs and, um, you know, and, and like these, these welfare programs and, 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 you know, and projects and stuff like that, they, like they just create these violent black markets for, for illegal drugs. And they're largely in African-American communities. And so they're just, you know, they're, they're crushed. They're crushed by that. Like these communities have been crushed and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like now, Granted, since the um, since we went off the gold standard, which I, I don't know, maybe seventy four, where we were completely <laughs> off yeah. of it or whatever, you know, yeah. I, I think that there's some pretty pretty solid trends to where you know you can see the sort of middle class and poor sort of shrinking as far as like their slice of the pie and the rich, you know, starting to like expand that you know that that uh, wealth gap. And uh, so, but at the same time, as a whole, America has generated a ton of wealth through technological improvements and you know everything like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of wealth, and for the most part, everybody's been kind of, you know, rising up despite you know maybe an increasing dis disparity in 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 this, but. I would say like black people kind of haven't <laughs> like they just yeah. haven't really been participating in this like technological, you know, economic wealth boom in the United States. And, uh, you know, they're living in like, uh, I mean, not all of them, obviously, but, you know, the there are places in this country that are effectively third world like lifestyles, you know, and those are populated almost entirely you know by african-americans and the you know the the penalties for drug trafficking the the like where the drugs are brought in i mean i don't know where you stand on the sort of <laughs> conspiracies as far as like how in how much involvement you know uh 
branches it, or people in the U.S. government have in all of this. But I mean, Iran Contras certainly happened. Yes. So there, at one point, it was very high level. Yeah, that's right. But it, it almost doesn't matter because, like, it's not like that's the primary mechanism that brings stuff into the country now, and it's not even the same people who had been addicted then that are addicted now. So, I mean, I think that I, I mean, I totally agree that there shouldn't be any any drugs that are illegal, and it's really not the business of the state. And if you remove that, you would remove a whole bunch of interactions that can tend to turn out badly. Yeah. Uh, at the same time. I think that there is in general like a way overestimation of like the number of people who actually go to jail for just drug crimes. It isn't that high. Most of the people who wind up in state penitentiaries are there for things that you and I would both view as actual crimes, Mm -hmm. violence, taking people's property. If you're convicted of just a drug crime because partially of like how crowded these places are, you generally are going to get like a suspended sentence or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so I, I think that I think that libertarians uh, tend to overestimate that this would f- the number of problems that this would fix is all I'm saying. Of course, uh, it should well, be legal. I right, right. So, regard right, regardless, even if it didn't fix any of them, it's just on mm. principle it should be yes. you know legal. Anybody should be able to take whatever substance into their body they want. And but I, I mean. So I tend to think mostly about homicide. I mean, it obviously, mm-hmm. there's a lot, lot else, but I think that it, you know, I do think that it's pretty. And I, I don't personally have like a number for this, um, but just I would say most of the murders in the United States of America surround the drug, you know, drug war. The, the black market for drugs. I mean, it's not right. random people, you know, because then again, like why, why do the suburbs, you know, of Philadelphia have like a European murder rate and then the inner cities, mm-hmm. you know, and then look at the murder rate during prohibition and then after prohibition. That's right. That's so, right. I mean, I think that there's now, and now alcohol is obviously like bigger. That's <laughs> a bigger sort of, drug market than you know weed and heroin and 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 probably all of them combined um you know by percentage or something you know if you looked at it right. in the the 20s i guess when so so for me yeah i i think it's that and then um and i don't i don't pretend to be somebody that like really has the whole welfare thing you know locked down in my head i mean Again, obviously, I'm opposed to it just on principle because, like, where are they getting this money to give these people? Well, they're they're mm. you know grifting it off of other people. They're stealing it, you know, uh, um, you know through through uh, taxation. So, I mean, I I, I, can't, I just cannot possibly be for it um, in in general. But I do think that there's something to be said for that it. You know, particularly when you get into the the projects type stuff, and it's like, for instance, right? Like they stopped building like high rise projects because they were so awful. They were just yes. cesspools of you know murder and 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 uh, you know drug trafficking and everything like that and whatever else. Um, so you know, and and I think they're sort of moving away from that. But I do think that like even if you somewhat 
try to like geographically spread people out or at least like not stack them on top of each other like this is still a group that has an identity that like you know they still have phones like they still have Mm -hmm. like facebook and stuff like they can stay connected and and i and i think that like it still passes this generational you know problem around so i i i i think that it it's not doing you know african-americans any favors whatsoever like like doing this and i mean just the they you know like one of the 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 big things that you can look at is like the uh like what do you say like illegitimacy you know it's higher now than than like you know in the past before you know before they were even like you know given the privilege to vote or whatever you know what i mean like so i think that there's been some real changes despite at this point under the law like we're all treated the same you know by the letter of the law and and so i think you gotta look outward like elsewhere like trump ain't gonna make a difference like he doesn't you know well unless i mean we had we had riots we had riots like this when Obama was in office too. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's a problem that like is persistent and has been around for for a while. Uh, so and you made a, mentioned a couple of interesting things there. So like with respect to like welfare, like I do think that it's possible that there is an element of like dependency creation where you give people more and there's creates disincentives to work and breaks down communities and the need to stay together for families. Um, I would recommend. If you want to read like a history of the welfare program in the United States, there's a book called The High Cost of Good Intentions. Hmm. Uh, that was very good. It's like from like programs that were from like the Revolutionary War, like all the way up to today. And the, the overall theme is like how these programs, when they're created, have like expanded afterwards because like they're created for like a specific purpose and for a small group of people. But there's always like someone outside that circle that says, well, why not? If these people inside the circle are deserving, why not these people outside? And then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And the benefits of that, and it, cra- and it also crowds out what used to be private charity and donations which used to be a much bigger bigger part yeah. of uh the overall the overall charity picture and they had more flexibility to work with people to try to address these concerns whereas when the federal government is giving out benefits it doesn't say like oh are you using these well it just gives them out mm-hmm. and there's probably a bad side to that as well so yeah, yeah that uh the amount of charitable donations over the years is something that i'd be quite interested in it's that's actually something i've meant to look into for a a while now and uh and i haven't and or even Mm -hmm. where it's at today yeah you know so uh there's going back to something you said earlier just in case there are other uh gold bugs uh who like to listen there's a a fun uh website called wtf happened in 1971 Mm -hmm. it's just like a website of like a bunch of charts of like productivity and wages and stuff uh from like the 50 from like the mid 40s to the present day and like you just see all these charts there's like a bunch of stuff that happens like in some normal way up to 71 and then it just like everything diverges so oh yeah yeah that's good so anybody wants to check that out yeah but but yeah i mean i i just don't know what to say i mean in the absence of of leadership saying like these are our specific demands uh what do we want changed like i don't know 
I don't know what would happen because these problems exist to like, they definitely exist to different degrees uh, in different police departments. Like New York, like NYPD uh, has like much lower rate, like a per capita of like police killings than someplace like St. Louis. It's a huge factor between them. It's like, it's like almost a hundred or something like uh-huh. that. Uh, but you still see these incidents that make people really upset and angry about the relationship between minority communities and police coming out of places like New York. So there's more going on here than just like, stop, stop killing us because you could bring that number down and you would still see these incidents. Right. Um, right. I mean, yeah. And yeah then, there's so, no, there's definitely no, like, I mean, if you assumed that we were being presented with like a reasonable cross section, then you would assume that, you know, 99.9% of all of the people that, you know, police kill in a year are black, but right. But it is not the case. Yeah. Uh, Now I, I don't begrudge people for caring. Like if I was, you know, I, for people who are like in my ethnic community, like I wouldn't begrudge someone for caring more about those people any more than I would right. begrudge someone caring more about someone who's in their own family. Like that doesn't bother me that that's what they care about more. Uh, all my only point is if you think you can address like the overall problem by saying this is a problem of race between police and, and minority populations, you're mistaken because there is a lot of police departments in this country and plenty of them are majority minority at this point. And mm-hmm. it, Atlanta it had, it had, for sure. I mean, there was yeah. a there was like a really poignant video where it was like some white like Antifa looking kid screaming at this black cop, and it was just like, <laughs> man, like how, how are the liberals going to do that math? Like, right? <laughs> they're just you know divided by zero, and their head exploded. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, it already did because the, the things I was seeing, this is, I think, already gone. But the, the Minneapolis mayor had said that first night that all the people that were arrested were from outside Minneapolis. So that got people's heads spinning like, oh, I'm sure all the rioters are really not people who are just pissed off from the city. Like it's outside agitators. And then people started saying this is a Russian plot. <laughs> I yeah, don't I I'm not the- joking. Like. <laughs> Yeah, They're already I heard the bringing Russia supremacist. back in. Yeah, I heard the whites. Yeah, is it unbelievable? It's just like the conspiracy theory that will not die. Uh, you know, I, mean, I, I am second of- to none in my dislike for like communism or even just like right. russia in general yeah. but they're not the ones causing this yeah definitely not yeah it yeah that i was that was really um i, I was talking to somebody the other day and you know i don't I don't have a lot of these conversations in the last few months um but i actually mm-hmm. did at a little memorial day barbecue and had um the uh allowed number of people by my uh, overlord <laughs> mayor sure. keisha mayor keisha <laughs> bottoms don't worry yes. it was less than 10 mm-hmm. and uh but we were talking and and yeah man i i mean there is something i i don't know that it's anything like particular to trump i maybe he just tweaks this little nerve in people but the whole trump derangement syndrome but you know mm-hmm. as we're talking and and I, it's like I, it's like you know as a libertarian like i'm supposed to be the conspiracy theorist here right like that's yeah. the like that's <laughs> the stereotype and i actually learned that at one point I, I i remember i was reading something whatever online 
And I just saw that it was like a joke about libertarians and being conspiracy yeah. theorists. And, and I just was like, <laughs> oh, man, I never had like fit in a stereotype so cleanly <laughs> as that. But uh, yeah, but it's like, how are you still holding on to this like Russia thing when I mean, of, of all things, it's like the, the Steele dossier was Mm-hmm. Like, uh, basically like a hoax, right? I mean, it was just like fabricated and it was well, a I very mean, core I'm, part of this. It fabricated by like Hillary, Hillary Clinton's team, if I'm not mistaken. It was original. So originally, I think it was one of one of the other Republicans hired him initially. And then Hillary's campaign, I think, started paying him whenever who that was dropped out. Yeah. But yeah, it's this guy Steele. Wasn't there and a, boy, it was, a person named Stoik in there, I think? I don't remember. I forget. Uh, but but yeah, basically, you know, it was he was like it was a bunch of hearsay stuff yeah. that he gathered for this purpose. And normally that's not really a problem. I mean, I expect campaigns to do opposition research. I, frankly, I expect them to do shady opposition research and to play yeah. the people's fears and all this stuff. Yeah. But the so the problem here is not that the dossier exists. That's not a problem. Right. The problem is that the FISA court said this is sufficient evidence to start setting up uh surveillance uh surveillance yeah. surveillance of <laughs> of people uh, in trump's orbit so the fisa court is a rubber stamp yeah and that's that's the real problem here that, that they're given these very broad powers to to initiate investigations domestic surveillance on mm-hmm. americans with under the flimsiest of pretexts because yeah. before before all this stuff came out before we knew more about the FISA court they said oh this is this great process these judges are very experienced blah 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 it's it's a rubber stamp mm-hmm. I, they have they have rejected almost zero i think it's like one or two uh claims in the whole time like they're not even making an attempt <laughs> to make it look even-handed it, it's yeah, like, like if you wanted br- to come- bring some fake yeah, ones there exactly because <laughs> they don't give a shit it doesn't matter yeah they don't need to it's just I, a rubber stamp for everyone i'm always amazed when stuff do- like for instance right now they're like going through all this communication around obama and mm-hmm. i mean this is another thing that that i mean since like whatever four out of the five major news networks are like democrat propaganda only one is republican propaganda you barely ever even hear about like what's going on with all this investigation into you know was this like illegal and was obama in the know well i mean there was a bunch of people who did who did know about it but i mean the like i have some sympathy there because he the president is never going to be like possessed of all the details and if his people that are like his trusted intelligent people are saying like we think there's a real possibility reverse connections between people in trump's orbit and russian uh government or russian intelligence like there is an obligation to investigate that yeah but it has to be but it has Don't to worry, because it's so sensitive it rubber stamped <laughs> By the FISA right. court. Because it's so sensitive, like you should set the highest bar for yourself. Yeah. Uh, instead of and, the and lowest. From the, right. Instead of the lowest. Like from the beginning, it was always like, we're going to get him under the like the Logan Act, which is like no one has ever been prosecuted for this in like the hundred plus years it's been on the books. Like it's yeah. a joke. I, um, Eli Lake has a very good article, like a good summary of like now after the fact, everything that we can see about this. Um so if you want to look up Eli yeah. Lake, he has a good article about it. But so. there's there's no uh, 
I mean, I don't really know strategically. I mean, I don't believe that most of this stuff isn't done without strategic, you know, thinking or like planning or what, you know, like you're saying, nobody's ever been like prosecuted or, you know, certainly Mm -hmm. found guilty under the Logan Act. I, I mean, they knew that. Like, did they mm-hmm. actually think any of this is going to stick? Or maybe they were just banking on they were going to have I don't think Obama knew what the Senate. Logan Act was. When Comey said to him, oh, it might be a Logan Act violation, he said, uh-huh, uh-huh. He didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but... It's right. a Logan like, Act, everybody... Are you going to say that's not a big deal, the Logan Act? Come <laughs> it's on. It's Logan Act. Yeah, he didn't want to look like a dummy. So he was like, yeah, oh. See, it's like, in his head, he was thinking... What the hell is the Logan Act? Oh, God, I better not say. It sounds bad, though. It sounds real bad. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say that maybe they were holding out to have the House and Senate, and then Mm -hmm. then it just didn't matter, right? Because this whole farce gets through the... House or the Senate? I forget what the Democrats have control of right now. House? The House. The House. Right, so they impeach him in the House, and it's a complete yes. farce. And, and, right? the Senate hold, and the Senate holds the trial. Yeah. Right, so it's a total farce, but they still impeached him, no problem. And mm-hmm. if the Senate was majority Democrat, I mean, he'd been gone, mm-hmm. and it was a complete farce. I, I don't, you know, I mean, obviously, I like I, I'm looking for evidence always to yeah. com- to to pile on how awful the government in general is but yeah. man it's tough for me to understand how you can still buy into that like people are like oh I, yeah I think they impeached a- them it's like well the, the real shame do. of it is there were other things they could have probably made a much stronger case on but they didn't do it war crimes uh, they could have they could have uh the house could have waited so basically there were people uh in, in the White House, uh, Bolton, for instance, who had relevant testimony to give, in particular uh, for s- some of this other Ukraine stuff, okay? At first, he refused to testify. They had the ability to compel him to testify, but it would have taken longer. They mm-hmm. would have had to do a bunch of work and fought and use some political capital to do it. But they would have had a much more sound basis for uh, for bringing uh, an impeachment against him. Hmm. But they didn't. It was... It was useful to them as politics, but they didn't do the work that was needed, and now it's gone because you're not gonna you're not gonna do the same do it twice. Yeah, and so and so now it's I mean, like maybe. the guy now now Trump is like gonna be completely uninhibited. Probably, who the hell knows what the hell he could be doing uh, wrong right. now? Because <laughs> he knows it's gonna be that much harder for them to bring something new against him. Yeah, I fear to see what you might see if he gets like reelected because. The dude can go hog wild. Who the yeah. hell knows? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, if he, he pulled us out of the WHO, uh, <laughs> I don't really know what else he's done. That I don't he's care about. Court, kind of built, right? I mean, he kind of built a wall, sort of. Yeah. Uh, Tried to kind of. The money wasn't properly appropriated. Right. And it's just. And then he remembered uh, he actually doesn't really give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that you know, that's something I wanted to get clarity on. Um, and in general, it, like, do people really think he's racist, or do they feel like he's just playing to racists? 
like I, I think that the, the second could be a little bit more true. I mean, I, I don't really know. I also don't think that like being racist is the highest crime in the land. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I mean, it's still murder. <laughs> you know, Look, the, the dude, the dude is like pretty old. I, I think that it, a lot of people of that age are going to hold some like opinions that if you get them, you know, alone in a room or they've had a few drinks, they're going to say things that are really inappropriate by our standards. Like, yeah, he probably holds opinions like that without a doubt. Yeah. And he has shown a willingness to like not forthrightly condemn things that should probably be condemned. Uh, But, you know, in other circumstances, that's looked on as like empathy and trying to like bring people together. So, you know, I, I don't even I don't try to look into people's hearts. It doesn't matter to me. Like what I care about is what the person does. Right. And, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. Well, I don't anyway, know. that was interesting. I, I wasn't expecting to talk about any of that. Yeah. <laughs> you never know where it's going to go. Yeah. The um, so I, I am. Well, I, I have, I know that they, like you were saying, there was some rioting or I, I don't even know. I mean, I feel like it's not even rioting. It's like straight up looting. Like somehow that is different. Like, like I feel like what they were doing in Minnesota or Minneapolis was, yeah. that was more rioting. I mean, they were setting places on fire and there was some looting yeah. and, but I mean, what they're doing in Philadelphia is literally just looting. Like they're just right. breaking into stores, looting, getting out. Like it's it's becoming more tactical. Um, I'll be really interested to see tonight because now France obviously just did it on the weekends. This was a, a topic I, I hit a, a number of times: the yellow vest protest. That's right. That's right. Um, so they they really figured out how to keep it going for the long haul. Uh, But I don't think that we're going to do that. I think we're going to be more American and just go full blast until we just burn out. (laughs) It could Um, very well be. I mean, that's an interesting point, though, that you make about the yellow vest is that I think a lot of people like they they look at this and say, just stuff like this doesn't happen anywhere else. Well, I mean, the yellow vest protests were huge. There were people out in the streets like every day and night and burning cars and spray painting and kicking in windows for an extended period of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so literally, like, so there, there a is year. precedent for this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it, a long time. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering what. I'm just sort of looking around to see if there's anything yeah. kind of going on right now. I mean, I will say, like, I think that last night was a little bit more. Um, a little bit more subdued i i mean it was still crazy and widespread and i well i mean phil he said i mean philadelphia got hit pretty hard and that was sort of their first night so you know you sort of had stuff like that but um just trying to see and then the with the yellow vest yeah i mean you're trying it's to still going go according to wikipedia okay. a year a year and six months i mean what, so i have a buddy <laughs> that's in paris and i was like what's going on there man and then they piled on top of it in paris they had another like uh transportation strike 
Oh, I man. mean, he was just like, dude, and he was actually flying back to uh, the U.S. for some reason, and he had to he had to hire a motorcycle guy to drive him, and uh, he said that was pretty crazy. Um, like instead of like the taxis were done, you couldn't take the subway, oh, okay. like you couldn't do anything. <laughs> um, so he had to hire like random, kind of more like rando transportation, and he like basically hired a motorcycle taxi. Get on some random person's motorcycle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, now there's hundreds of thousands of people have been involved in it, and um, yeah, like a good bit of, of violence. But I do think that the Yellow Vest had pretty clear um, goals in that as well. I don't know if they yeah. changed and morphed. I mean, I think they became almost like an entity to them, you know, like a political entity, you know, like uh, yeah. this, this movement. Um, but for, well, they were a reaction to very specific legislation that was passed. I don't remember all the details of it, but I know it had something to do with like the, reform of the pensions and making it easier, I believe, to, to let people go from certain jobs. Yeah, there uh, was. I so. think the specific flashpoint thing was the fuel tax. That's right. Um, and the fuel tax. Yeah. And that's why it was the yellow vest, because that's what they keep in their car. That's right. 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 So it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like it in France, example. everyone has to keep a yellow like traffic uh, vest, mm-hmm. like a reflector vest in their trunk. That's the law. So, yeah, it's clever. I thought it was very clever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and although there there was some certainly there was some violence, I don't think um, anything like what we just went through this this weekend um and one other thing about about this that i find very interesting is the lack of guns by the protesters just in general you know i mean this is a it's it's like they're I don't know. It's just, it's kind of this in, and it, and it's sort of like both sides, right? It's like you have the police and the protesters and the protesters are throwing water bottles and cans yeah. and trash and the occasional yeah. rock at the police. And the, maybe the police will fire rubber bullets or tear gas. And it's like this big argument, but neither side is like taking it to the next level, you know. That's like right. No matter how de- how destructive it was, like it's nowhere near the amount of destruction that the U.S. population could, in general, unleash. Uh, you know, on on the uh, I don't know the other part of the population. I mean, it could just be outrageous, and they so heavily outnumber police and stuff like. I yeah. mean, who knows? Like, I think that's if, absolutely right. That there is a degree of restraint, it seems, on both sides. Um, and you see it all I don't the think time. Anybody wants to go to the next? Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, you see it all. I, I always think about that in in protests, and I, you know, it's funny because I'll I'll watch like European ones, like situations like that, and I'll think like, oh man, you know, like it would be different in the U.S., but it's like actually it's not. Like, you know, people want to get out and they want to make their voice heard, but they're not trying to like actually go to war. You know, and usually no, but I mean, yeah. occasionally you get like a Kent State, you know, in the 60s. You remember that? Yeah, and they were on that. So, so like these things do happen from time to time, and it's not clear to me like what brings it from one place to the other. Uh, yeah, I mean, that this is, I, I do think so. <clears throat> I think that when they overtook, when they sort of sur- evacuated the police station, I think that yeah. was the tipping point. And they like 
it's like they got a taste of victory and they realized that their numbers could be overwhelming. And I think the whole country kind of saw that. And it was like, wow, like we really can just like do what we want. Like we Mm -hmm. just, we have more than you. Um, And I expect it to wind down, of course, but I, to me, it feels like some kind of precedent was set that, this level of like power can be wielded pretty quickly and easily with no organization. Like, well, unless there are Antifa organizers or something, but, uh, or, or the, uh, Russians, maybe the, no, or the Russians <laughs> yeah, yeah, or the white supremacists. Well, no, the, the Chinese, there's a guy from is the editor in chief of like, one of the main Chinese newspapers, and he legitimately said this on Twitter today. He said, I think what's going on in America is that all these Hong Kong protesters went over and started these riots. <laughs> right. Well, so it's probably one of those things. It couldn't possibly just be us, you know, people in the United States rioting. That, right. No possible way right. that that is the solution or the, uh, you know, the reality. The reality, um, yeah. But yeah, I think that it, even though uh, I do expect that it it's going to wind down. I mean, eventually it will, right? I mean, it, it, well, eventually you will have burned every building to the ground, and so you'll just sort <laughs> well, of. Well, I mean, that's that's the big problem. Is that that similar riots that happened in the '60s like caused huge numbers of people to move out of the cities, mm-hmm. and there were communities took a very very long time to recover. Yeah. Uh, and we're talking about like so you talk about your friend who owns that restaurant like these small businesses were already like on the brink of annihilation right. from being closed down by coronavirus this was the last thing they needed mm-hmm. and i've also heard some people who are completely ignorant saying oh what's the big deal they have insurance like uh insurance there is often a provision in it for civil unrest so it is totally po- like first of all Insurance doesn't always cover all of these losses anyway. Mm-hmm. And second of all, they might get zero if the insurance companies decide that this counts as civil unrest. And the more damage is done, the more likely it is that they're going to do that. And certainly, if I think if the National Guard gets called into somewhere, they'd have a strong leg to stand on and say it was counts as civil unrest. Yeah. So, so, so you have a situation where businesses were probably like super low on cash. In the places that they were able to, maybe they were just starting to get ready to reopen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this happens. Like, even if their particular business is burnt, like if it's burnt to the ground, it's just done. But even if it's not, uh, people aren't going to want to go to that neighborhood that consists of like, you know, 60% like burned out and like boarded up buildings. Yeah. And people aren't going to want to do their shopping or, or their uh, re- go to the restaurants there. Yeah. And then what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and where her her restaurant is in, you know, like arguably the the most posh, you know, shopping district in certainly like in downtown Philadelphia. So I think what you probably will see is despite that area being hit hard, it'll get rebuilt relatively quick. But you're going to have the more, you know, outlying kind of more Mm -hmm. maybe like, you know, kitschy sort of interesting areas that they lose, you know, that they were coming up in there, you know, they're just not going to make it or I don't know. I mean, it's obvious, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you know who Millie Weaver is. She's, um, this, this, uh, kind of reporter Twitter sort of, 
uh, person that got famous through like being on Alex Jones's show and stuff. No, um, I don't know. Who and that she's is. she's honestly like probably like way more level headed than than Alex Jones is. She's more of just like a standard kind of Trump Republican person okay. or whatever for the most part. And she was just sort of after the like the first night or something, she put some tweets. She's like, well, you know, it was like talking about like the economy and stuff. And she's like, well, you know, we're going to have, uh, at least we'll have a lot of, you know, win- window repair companies, uh, you know, are doing <laughs> a lot of business. And I just responded. I said, look, it's the broken window fallacy in action. It is. <laughs> it's it literally it. Is. Like, this is it. Like, this is the example of like, obviously this isn't good for the economy. <laughs> Right. You know, this is literally setting money on fire. Like, that's what it is. Like we we like and and so like when we do this to other countries, it's obviously not good. Like, no. Yeah. Oh, my God. There aren't this like, you know, magical resources that appear out of nowhere. And like, yeah, like you're saying, I mean, we've just gone through two months of lockdown with like very, very low productivity. And then we've destroyed a bunch of of wealth that we had created already. And just a few days. So I, I honestly don't know because it's like I haven't heard any estimates for how much damage there that there yeah. could be. But usually when things collapse very badly, like it's more than one thing that happens all at once. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's rarely that like a famine, say, is caused just because there's a bad crop. It's like there was like a bad crop and there was a drought and like, you know, insects came in all at once, something mm-hmm. like that. So here you've got like, the we're flu. probably nearing. And we're probably nearing the end somebody. of the business. We're probably nearing the end of the business cycle to begin with. Like right, right, I right, was right. look. I was looking at the amount. So if you look at the amount of deficit spending we did last year, if you take that deficit spending out, we were in a recession last year. Uh-huh. So we were already maybe nearing the end of the business cycle. Then you put coronavirus on top of that. Then you're going to put. You know, riots that may last. I don't know. Hopefully this will be quick, but I don't see that it will because people are very upset and it's not specific yeah. how you could <laughs> even make tell them that you're taking the problem seriously. Like, how could you show this group of people that you're taking it seriously? Like, I don't know what you would do specifically. There's talking about hundreds of police departments across the whole country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I, it, it's also going on in smaller cities, too. I, mean, I, I actually would be really interested in like what the number of cities that have had like let's say like you know actual some looting or something because i think i mean there was big uh protests and stuff in savannah today um i mean it's a relatively small you know city in in georgia and uh i mean it's like pretty well known but it's not you know not a big population are they gonna wind up you know looting tonight and um Oh, there was another one I, I happened to see that was just some, you know, anyway, I mean, and there also were stuff in the suburbs to last night in, in wow. the Atlanta area, you know, like in, 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 um, I mean, Atlanta's a little bit different as far as like yeah. the way people get around here. It's like the population is sort of much more mobile than like Northeastern cities. Like, you know, when I lived in Philadelphia, I mean, 
it was a it was a trip to go to the suburbs. I mean, you didn't just like go out there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whereas Atlanta, you, like people from the suburbs are in the city all the time, and vice and vice versa. Like we go yeah. out, it's 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 a little bit different. So it's not it's not as surprising. I'd been pretty surprised if like Ambler, Pennsylvania, has like <laughs> looting going on. I just don't I don't see them of their own volition like getting all torqued up about this, but. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to wind down and, and the, the amount I, I w- would be would be really interesting, like a, a, an actual like number on the the cost estimate of uh, all the damage. But they're still racking it up. I mean, so. Right. I mean, I think that you no one's going to want to put that out right now it would be considered insensitive or crass or something like that. Right. But, right. And just just like it was crass to consider you know, the cost in dollars when we were locking down from the coronavirus. So, yeah. and I guess uh, it's best to talk about like the people that have been killed in the riots. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, God bless it. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I mean, sometimes these things come and go quickly. Um, if not, I don't know. And it could be, and honestly, I feel like there's maybe a connection between these two things. I mean, you've been telling people, uh, that they can't go out for extremely long periods. I, I would guess that we know how high unemployment is rising now. It's probably a lot in these same communities that are hurting, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. You, 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 lock, you lock people in their homes for two months. You force, you tell them they're not allowed to go to work, so they lose, and so they lose their job because the, you know, the, the workplace lets everybody go. And then they see you know, people who look like them getting murdered by the police, you know, it's a powder keg. Yeah. Was this, uh, oh, you sent, uh, I, I didn't notice. I'm sorry. I didn't have yeah. this out. You it's sent fine. me a, a tweet from Philadelphia. That's Philly, lot, That was just within the last, what it's 10, 10 o'clock. That was just 20 minutes ago. All uh, these fires. The, wow. The tweet was, I don't think it's that bright there. Maybe it's from an hour or two ago, but it it's wasn't a good long point. ago. Fair point. And it was like an explosion. <laughs> oh my yes. god! Yeah, it looks like a war zone. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a, a few things. So that that was like really interesting seeing that girl's story and her like walking around. Like I, I felt a lot more in it. And um, another uh, person shared. I don't know if it was you or somebody, uh, or maybe I just happened to see it, but um, somebody had tweeted, like, a guy on a bike was just biking around in Philly yesterday during all the looting and stuff, and it's just like, I mean, it's just like a 10-minute video of just store after store, group coming up on groups of people, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and uh, yeah, it looks like it's getting an, another night. I, I thought I thought last night was like a clear ratcheting down, but mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not. You know, I bet if I bet if I looked at the number of cities that actually were having incidents, I bet you it was it was actually a lot more last night. It's like a new virus is spreading. It's a riot yeah. virus. Well, oh my you god, know, that's the, that's the whole idea of memes, right? You know, yeah, yeah. it's ideas that spread like a virus that's what the meme is so uh i'll I'll put this in this is another uh fun uh well not so fun now because we're living through it but uh this was a a paper that was published in 2012 
the author purported to show a a 50-year cycle of like violent uh riots in the united states so it's like it's uh like 18 let's see what are the what are the years he calls out here 1870 uh 19 uh around 1920 and then like the mid sixties. And so he called in this 2012 paper that there would be riots in 2020. Wow. Okay. Jeez. So, so it's very, very strange stuff. Now it could just be a coincidence, but this guy is, you know, at a, a reputable academic institution. He's got the, the graphs here to show it. So yeah, yeah. It's a pretty incredible prediction. Yeah, it is. It, it is one thing with predicting things when they're, I mean, with something like this, I mean, there was also the Ferguson riot, so he would have been right that year, probably mm-hmm. too. And and who knows? I, I don't even know, like I, how many. Um, but you know, I I often think about with uh, this will seem like a a huge change of topic, but with like Bitcoin and the predictions, you know, and because um, I'm I'm hearing Peter Schiff a lot, you know, and he, he's always trashing Bitcoin and saying <laughs> it's going to go to zero. And, and the thing I always say is, is I, I always, I, I mean, not that he ever re- like responds or anything, but I've always say it's <laughs> like, like you may be right in your prediction, but your analysis just is always so like trash. <laughs> it, right. I, I, and I think that happens a lot. And the thing that, and I mean, like granted, I, Obviously, I'm pretty well aligned with Peter Schiff on most stuff, and and even this, like I, you know, I don't know what's gonna happen with Bitcoin. I, you know, it it it's certainly not getting adopted in any sort of, you know, like functional way in the economy. Um, That's right. People are just sort of betting on it going up. Still, it's not. This isn't really used for you know in in any sort of money sense. But anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, he he could be right, and then and and I don't want to say too badly about him because I do think that he he's called a lot of other stuff. So and I think that his analysis, for instance, on the housing bubble was like money. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think what what sadly happens is you have people like that that do make some claim, and then like somebody's gonna be right, but it doesn't mean that they actually understood what was going on. You know, exactly. Like it could have exactly. also just like rolled a dice and you know had each number assigned to a, a prediction and just tweeted out that r- result of the dice roll. And I mean, with Bitcoin, That's there's right. basically <laughs> two predictions. There's like Bitcoin is going to go to the moon or it's going to go to zero. You know, <laughs> like those are like the two the two limits that basically everybody predicts. You very few people predicting, you know, making bold claims about Bitcoin being worth like fifteen thousand next year. You know. <laughs> And where right. it's like around ten now, like you know, right, right. <laughs> sort of mild predictions don't don't get much traction. No, no. If you're going to make a prediction, though, there has to be like a time associated with it. It's not you can't just be like, oh, this is going to go to zero. Okay, when? Right. When right. is it going to do that? And how much money are you willing to put on that? Because if you don't say that, then like you're not really saying anything that's again nothing that's actionable. You know, right. Nothing that's disprovable anyway. Yeah, and I mean. I can get that, like, I don't, it's one of the probably 
think that the the Austrian theory, uh, you know, the Austrian economists did not really develop tools like that. And and maybe you say that's like, you know, sort of baked into the fundamental um, kind of mechanics of it that that they don't, you know, really that that type of analysis, uh, this sort of like a priori logical, you know, reasoning mm-hmm. doesn't really lend itself to making these type of predictions. But I got like Peter Schiff is a stockbroker. So, <laughs> you know, he, yes, exactly. he's got to be doing more than just like reading human action. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's for me and to do podcasts based around. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, I you know, I, I don't know. I McAfee uh, backed off his uh, bet. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> Do you know what McAfee's? Bet I, I don't was? know. He, I thought he predicted two hundred thousand or something. So he like predicted that. a million, and he predicted a date. <laughs> and do you know what he was going to do if he he was wrong? He it was, was something disgusting. Yes, he was going to eat his own dick. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh, he officially recanted. Uh, that and he claimed it was a joke like he obviously is eating his own uh, nether regions I'm sure was never a realistic thing but was on the menu (laughs) he started uh, no uh, zing so (laughs) he 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 claimed that he was obviously joking about that prediction and like the Mm. one thing I would say is like first of all it's like a joke. It has to be kind of funny. Like what's funny about <laughs> predicting a million dollar Bitcoin? Like where's yes. the, the humor? Like you obviously yeah. think Bitcoin's going to go up a lot. So right. you're like, you already so you're wrong think, about that. At least right, right. you think a hundred thousand is, but now you're saying a million is, is a joke. And he was like, if it was a million dollars, a Bitcoin, then it would be like larger than the GDP of the United States or something like that. Like it's, you know the uh the the total value of all bitcoins and it's like yeah and i've i've made that you know clear on my podcast as well like if there's at the end of the day if there's 21 million bitcoins and they're worth a million dollars that means that there's they're worth 21 trillion dollars like you think that's where we're going (laughs) you know like not without some like huge economic shifts between now and then and one of them is like most people say it's like well maybe it's not that unrealistic maybe just the dollar crashes right like you still may be able to save your parts buddy and be right (laughs) but i mean now i think it's like by the end of 2020 so he would need like yeah Yeah. he would need like dollar crisis uh so what would he say what would he say if it actually happened now if the dollar (laughs) crashed and it went up oh i Uh, I, wasn't it wasn't a joke uh got you again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't know what <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know I don't, it, that uh maybe we'll i know we we've been on for a while now it's getting pretty yeah, late is, but uh yeah. been enjoyable to to get off of the the covid stuff i'm i'm kind of like a weird person i don't really like talking about diseases and deformity like i i get like my skin will start crawling and i feel like i've just been in this weird place for a while so in 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 some ways like a nice just regular old riot it uh it's kind of like cleansing i don't know something that but, doesn't make you feel as gross i yeah. say okay. is there I anything can, I can understand that to, yeah it doesn't make me feel as gross right uh <laughs> is there anything um that 
that you are looking at, like before we wrap up completely, that you, you actually think is still relevant with the coronavirus like beside you know we say hey well let's see i mean basically just like yeah. keep watching the numbers uh is there going to be a spike because hundreds of thousands of people have been running around in the streets going crazy um i think that this idea of uh a partial immunity to other similar ooh. coronaviruses is is the key idea here that sort of makes things make a degree of sense about this whole thing so we didn't even talk about that at all you not we really, talked about no. it well we I think we just talked about it offline or right. on text or something. But yeah, if you want to, that, that was actually pretty I'll, I'll cool give the quick, a quick okay. rundown on that. So the, the basic idea here is there has been some research that's come out. So normally I, I mentioned this a little bit last time, like with regard to like maybe why the nations in Asia did so well. The basic idea here uh, is that in general, if, if a disease jumps from animal to a human, uh, you expect no one to have any pre-existing immunity to it. So it just races through the population and like has to infect everybody to get some degree of immunity. Uh, but it seems to be not what we're seeing here. And so you have to explain that somehow. Is it explained by the social distancing or the shutting down? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Obviously, uh, you and I are both kind of skeptical of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is like another theory that would explain like the huge variance or at least a degree of the huge variance in case fatality ratios country to country. So like you have countries like like France, even like good countries that have like 15 percent of the people like diagnosed and wind up dying. And then you have places that like, you know, Iceland, where it's like 0.6 percent or, or, or Singapore, which is like even lower than that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have very low fatalities across all of Asia australia and new zealand and then you have this serology which is like this test that says if you have antibody so like did you get it previously where the results have just been all over the map wherever it's been tested hmm. and it doesn't seem to bear any like resemblance to like whether there was like even like an extremely strong curve so certainly the places which had really big outbreaks had fairly high ones but even places that had like really minimal outbreaks have had some reasonable amounts of serology and then there are some places that have had a ton of cases where the serology comes back pretty low. And so one way to resolve all of this is to say, well, maybe uh, the coronavirus is actually quite deadly to people who have no pre-existing immunity, but that some significant fraction of people do have this. And unlike other, like zoonotic, that means ones that came from animal viruses, mm -hmm. here you have a situation where coronavirus is so similar to other coronaviruses, the common cold, or especially to the first SARS, that some significant number of people just are naturally immune to it or partially immune to it such that they have very little response. This would also maybe explain like the very high numbers of like asymptomatic cases that you see in some places. Uh, mm. So that's the basic idea is the idea is that uh, you may have partial immunity that explains why the curves are dying off even before a large fraction of people have gotten it but that you still have very high numbers of fatalities in some places where maybe there wasn't a similar coronavirus. And then you have very low uh, good numbers in Asia, which are closest to the individual, uh, the initial outbreak and where this thing originated, which presumably it would be reasonable to assume at least that they probably have the highest number of similar coronaviruses circulating in the population there. Mm -hmm. So like that's the theory start to finish. Yeah. It'd be pretty, Though I don't really get how that would explain like France versus Germany though or Iceland. It wouldn't I mean, explain it wouldn't explain that. 
Yeah. No. Uh, but so it, there's definitely other yeah. things. It's it's a partial explanation. Yeah. And and what I mean, like, is is this just like literally a theory, or what type of of research have they they've got to back this it, up? There's several new papers that have come out showing. So, okay, the biggest, like, most convincing one is that there's a new preprint out that reports that uh, 24 out of 24 people. So it's a small study, but still 100% of people from Singapore that had the first SARS in 2003 have a pre-existing immunity to the new coronavirus. Mm. So it lasted, you know, uh, how many years is that? 17 years immunity oh, wow. to the new corona. Yeah. So, so we're talking about immunity that lasted from a different <laughs> virus over 17 years. Yeah. And that, but that also uh, 50% of people that had no exposure to, to SARS one uh, in the same study uh, nine out of 18 also had already had T cells targeting the new coronavirus. So we, from that, it's just like, if this was anything like a random sampling, the reason Singapore had such good results is because half their population had immunity to begin with. Yeah. And that huh. the virus was mostly just circulating among like the guest workers. Like Singapore has like a huge population. It's like uh 25% or even 30% of their population as people who just come there from like, uh, Malaysia and places like that to work. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the virus has been very active there, but those places that like people live in group housing and they're all very young. And so their fatalities have been very low. People just said, well, if they've just done such a great job of contact tracing, uh, that's why they don't have, that's why Singapore is doing so well because they kept it in just these small places and those people are young. Well, maybe not because of this study. Yeah. So there's real science behind this. And then there was another study too, which studied essentially the same question in a, in a different group of people. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, it's, that's promising. And, you know, and maybe there's also some of that, you know, sort of similar coronavirus stuff in the explanation for SARS, because as you said, it still kind of just went away. Yeah. Maybe we all got the cold and then common cold, and then we couldn't get SARS or something. Right. Um, I mean, SARS could, it could have been the same story with SARS where there was a similar coronavirus before SARS came out which conveyed a partial immunity and that one, except maybe that one was more widespread or maybe just the first SARS was less deadly. Who knows? Uh, but it could be a very similar story yeah. here. And this is going to wind up disappearing and everyone's going to shrug their shoulders and say, Oh, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was at the grocery store um, yesterday and I just had this moment. I was picking up like a yellow onion and I was just looking over at the woman next to me in the red onion area and she's going <laughs> through the red onions, finding the one she wants. And I was just like, what the fuck is the point of any of this? Like what, like what, like what an absolute joke that sitting in your house is going to save you. Like people's grubby hands like and hands i don't care touching all the onions right. and everybody's doing what do you think like the instacart worker is somehow yeah. like are you gonna lysol every onion that comes in like or if you get a pack of tomatoes i you know in a plastic thing i mean well how did they get inside i mean i guess possibly there's a 
you know, there's probably are mechanized farms that possibly don't touch anybody, right? That like they somehow usually those are picked by people. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't know, but like I guarantee that people are touching all that stuff and your boxes of cereal and everything like that, and um. I mean, there's no possible way, right, that it's, uh, it, uh, I mean, okay, I'm sure we're decreasing, you know, if you had a model, yeah. we're decreasing the amount of contact, but, I mean, there's still so much contaminated stuff just going around, and, and uh, you know, it's just a joke, but I also had a kind of little little moment where I felt like I really could get in the headspace of a person that is actually very scared about the reopening because mm-hmm. at some point because i wanted to say like what exact because okay assuming that everything we talk about is not actually part of the conversation because it's not right like there's no <laughs> right. like logic there's no real looking at you know they just will cherry pick something to to sort of further their their crusade but like there's really it, it, in the kind of like mainstream discussion, I mean, there's really it's it's pretty nonsensical to start opening up, right? Like it doesn't really. Yes. I, I I mean, well, like they want to flatten a curve, but what is that? But but like okay, just take for, for for this this argument, right? So when we shut down, there were less hospitalizations and deaths than there are today, but we're opening mm-hmm. up. Like there, there. It's like, hey, things are actually even worse than when we shut down. Like we haven't gotten back down to that level, but actually, w- wouldn't we need to go below? And I get the whole flattening the curve, but but like, if if you flatten the curve and then open up, like, wouldn't it just explode again? Like, I don't really get. So it. like the, the 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 strategy here, if the models worked, was you first flatten the curve below a certain point and then you do reopen and there is an acknowledgement even among those people who think this is the worst thing ever that you do need to have some people working and the idea is that you go back to work for a few weeks and you track carefully the uptick of cases and if it starts to go up then you close down again until it goes back under some threshold and you keep opening and closing like that until there's a vaccine that's the basic idea okay so it's it's like basically to like keep getting bumps yes so so like opening up would ultimately wind up closing down again unless it just magically disappeared like sars they just don't talk about that part of it but that was part of that is part of like the strategy yeah and that's in like the original like imperial college paper like that has all the death predictions for the uk and all of this and he has like even like they have their little simulation of like the first bump and then how big the rest of the bumps would be after Mm. that so yeah yeah so like there is a there is a logical idea behind it it just mm. the reason it doesn't make sense is because like we have a proven inability to like forecast what the epidemiological curves are going to look like yeah well what i'm saying is I'm, i'm sort of putting i i actually happen to have a number of very liberal like somewhat younger kind of more in the like late 20s early 30s area like inner city liberal you know friends and from their perspective like they they have no idea about this paper you know 90 percent of them right they i cannot like i felt like it just for a moment i had this like sympathy of like 
yeah, I get how this looks crazy to you. Like you're, you're, you're just like <laughs> taking the simplest possible analysis that, that a person could take is just to be like, there's more deaths happened today than the day we right. locked down. So what, like, I don't get it. Like it's, it's just going to be that much worse. And I mean, honestly, like, I, I mean, I have to do a lot of work just to get us to like, only consider in this discussion right now that tiny little sliver it's so hard to be that like ignorant but i'm pretty sure that's essentially where most of the population is is operating at and then i got really depressed that these people have such a say over my life by voting (laughs) yeah so they can do pretty much anything to you if there are enough of them (laughs) right 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 yeah so anyway why don't we um wrap it up there we got back did a little more coronavirus stuff so that was nice um i don't think i i plugged you last time but i uh i believe your twitter is adam v steel if you want to just follow a regular person's twitter account um <laughs> mine's patrick j bradley i mean i almost do any don't do anything on twitter these days but i do tweet out my new episode so that would be you know but i guess you just subscribe to me on your podcast app so that that's probably how you get it anyway but i do have a facebook uh page um whistling in the dark podcast uh there's a youtube channel um so, you know, I actually even have a Gab account. I haven't looked at it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, whistling in the dark. But I, I do. I think Gab turned out to be like what we kind of feared, that it's just this kind of like yes. ultra right wing. Like, yeah, it's cool. You can kind of like say what you want. But like it, it you really need the like both sides or all the different opinions to make it interesting. It's just not, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, yes. I'm, I'm not like alt right or whatever that is, anyway. So, anyway, so uh, well, you know that old joke, Pat, where they say uh, if you if you were like a settler in early Americas and you said we're going to start a community that will like not burn any witches, well, what are you going to end up with? A hundred percent of in your community, all the witches. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. There it is. So that's the problem. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, everybody, uh, stay safe out there. Don't go out burning and looting, please. And I'll talk to you soon. Peace.